This is Meatless, a podcast about eating. I'm Alicia Kennedy, a food and drink writer. I'll be having conversations with chefs, writers, and more about how their personal and political beliefs determine whether or not they eat meat. The show will ask the question, how do identity, culture, economics, and history affect a diet? In this first episode of season two, I talked to writer Gabby Paella, who covers culture and politics for The Cut. We talked about Teva's bad jokes about vegans and the relationship between veganism and body image. Thank you, Gabby, for being here. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to ask, because you just wrote about your new sandals, Mm -hmm. the Tevas, that you had an obsession with them, but, you know, we're going back and forth on it. Did you think, actually, that they were too vegan? I think they have fully transformed me into, like, an outwardly facing vegan. Like, (laughs) everyone knows I'm vegan now when they look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The transformation is complete. Can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Sure. Uh, So I was born in New Jersey, actually. Um, And then I spent my early childhood years in Italy um, because my dad's from there. And then we spent the rest of the time in Connecticut, in central suburban Connecticut. Um, I grew up eating a lot of everything. Um, So my dad's from Italy, like I mentioned. So we'd have big Sunday pasta lunches and um, antipasto dinners every Friday. And that was like very regimented. Like he's very traditionally Italian in that way. Um, and then my mom's from Egypt. So we grew up eating a lot of, you know, Egyptian barbecues. You'd have the kofta, kebab, tahina. Um, and then I think this is kind of common for a lot of immigrant kids. I was really obsessed with American food because it was, it felt so foreign and so forbidden. Um, so I love to eat like funfetti cake and like, um, my grandma, my Egyptian grandma, um, really bought a lot of like processed quick fast food. So I used to love to sleep over her house and eat like Lipton's Alfredo packets. (laughs) Those were like, they were so like Proustian for me. Like when I see them in the supermarket, I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I could eat this again. Yeah. Um, so when did you decide to become vegan and why? Um, so my origin story is actually very cursed. Oh, Um, really? Yeah, it is. So, uh, I should back up a little bit and say that when I was around 13, um, I was very overweight. So I went on the Atkins diet actually, and oh I lost gosh. a ton of weight, which is hilarious to me in retrospect because <laughs> it's like the complete opposite of what I eat now. Um, and then, so that was sort of like watching my weight was a constant theme growing up. And then, uh, when I got to college, I put on like 20 pounds, you know, freshman year, Uh, and I came across the skinny bitch. Oh no. Look, yeah, I know. I'm so embarrassed. Um, but at the time I I don't consider that like when I fully went vegan, because I was definitely plant-based. I didn't buy into the whole lifestyle. Um, and for the next seven years, I would say I was like on and off vegan. Um, I really struggled with it because I was trying to get into food writing and I was traveling a lot. And I like also really confused uh, eating weird meats with having an interesting personality. Right. Like that was <laughs> that was something that I was really into. Uh, and then finally about three years ago is when I really buckled down and I um, just had this moment. I saw a sad animal video and I was like, 
I'm not going to be going between plant-based and omnivore and all that. I just want to be vegan. Like this just feels like the right thing to do. And that's what it's been ever since. And, you know, I'm fully like, I don't wear any animal products, don't use animal tested cosmetics, eat vegan, obviously. Right, right, yeah. right. So it was in, in the end, it was an animal rights motivation for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should also mention my mom and sister have been vegan for 10 years oh, uh, wow. with an animal rights motivation. And my sister's five years younger than me, but she's like totally this beacon for me. Like I always go to her for advice. She always has great tips. I feel like she knows about everything before everyone else does. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it about skinny bitch that sort of convinced you? I, so I wish I had gone back and looked at it before this, but I didn't even want to, <laughs> I don't think I have a copy. I didn't even want to like try to get my hands on one. But um, I will say, I do remember there were some animal rights things in it. Like it wasn't completely superficial. Um, but they really, I remember it being like a really sort of an aggro book where they were like, stop eating all this shit. It's like, it's processed. It's bad for you. You're eating dead food. You're going to look great if you stop doing it. Uh, and that was motivation for me, the health aspect of it, the uh, possibility of feeling lighter and being lighter. Right, right, yeah. right. So when you were trying to be a food writer, uh, were you kind of hiding this sort of tendency or how was it manifesting? It always, yeah, I always felt vaguely embarrassed of it. And um, I felt, had this huge fear of missing out all the time. And so that's why I was never fully, like I can never commit to being plant-based is what yeah. I'll call it because it, it wasn't actually vegan. Um, yeah, so I would like break and eat like a piece of cake or like try some meat or like go to Iceland and eat weird hot dogs. And yeah, it just never <laughs> stuck. Do you think you could be a food writer and not eat? these things? I think things have really changed since, uh, the time I was doing that. I think now there are so many food writers in the vegan and vegetarian space and people are just taking food like that more seriously, um, than they were, you know, seven, eight years ago. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, so you recently tweeted every single joke people make about vegans on here sounds like it was from a 2003 Dane Cook comedy special, uh, which I found very specific, but also like super, spot on. Uh, do you have any like hypothesis about why humor about veganism is so terrible? Mm -hmm. Well, I should also say that on my way over here, I checked my Twitter and Dane Cook had saw that tweet and oh, responded wow. to it <laughs> with a really bad joke. Oh, no. So um, I just think that it, a huge part of my job is writing jokes all day. Right. Um, I think I'm a pretty good judge of what's funny. And I also, I can take jokes about myself and about my lifestyle, but I just feel like there's no, I don't get the joke about veganism. Like what is funny about it? Like, oh, you care about animals. You care about the environment. Yeah. Like I don't understand. Like no, there's no joke that goes beyond that. Right. Um, and it doesn't actually, yeah, they never quite make sense. Yeah. And they just feel dated. They feel yeah. really dated. They yeah. do. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine a joke that really cuts to the heart of veganism and actually, like, make someone feel like they should not be vegan or even question it. And I just can't even fathom what that joke would be. No. And <laughs> it's always like, uh, bacon? Yeah. Ever heard of it? <laughs> but yeah. a lot of the time I've noticed, too, there are a lot of, like, thought otherwise thoughtful people who make, like, really strange comments about veganism and, and feel the need to to say things about, like, dairy or say things about 
how veganism is like inaccessible to most people. And like, what do you say to those people who you probably have in your life too? Like mm-hmm. thoughtful people who find veganism to be just too strange. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and rant about this all the time. So I'm very <laughs> excited to talk about this. Um, so I do think there's a big issue where um, I've noticed this with like white quote unquote woke progressives right. where Every other issue they're very open-minded about, but when it comes to veganism, like this is the thing that goes too far and it's worth making fun of. Um, and one example of that recently where it wasn't, it wasn't like hearted mocking. It was like actual criticism. Um, there was a thread going around by a woman who is an agricultural scientist. And the gist of it was that like veganism doesn't work in an environmental sense because it's Eurocentric farming. And I saw a lot of people sharing it and I was like, okay, first of all, how does this stop you from being a vegan? Or how does this stop you from eating meat? Like you're using it to justify your own meat eating, right. your own unnecessary meat eating. And also like, I don't see, I don't know any vegans who are going into like the global South and trying to get everyone to be vegan. It's yeah. not happening. And then on top of that, it just, it didn't even address the animal rights portion of the motivation. Right. Um, I think that's a big thing is people just either are unwilling to address the fact that animal rights is some people's motivation and they also find it mockable. Right. So your question was how I handle it. Yeah. I, you know, I tend to just, I try to ignore it. If it's someone I'm really close to, I, I, I'm happy to talk it out, but, um, mostly I just stew in silence and I get really (laughs) mad or I subtweet. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I was in your, the mentions for that Dane Cook tweet and that was kind of a common argument it seemed about it that Mm -hmm. like oh veganism is for northern europeans but then of course when you read about meat consumption all the cows were from northern europe and then brought everywhere else that they colonized so none of it makes any sense totally and i also think that western europeans in general are the people that are most defensive about their food traditions and the biggest assholes about it right 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 so how do you feel about media portrayals of veganism Mm -hmm. uh so this is something i think about a lot uh as a member of the media i generally uh bristle when people refer to the media as one entity but i think when it comes to veganism it actually is um i really resent how it's either it's always portrayed as either a diet like a fad diet or a wellness craze or um just something that is harmful in some way um or something that's silly. So I'll give you some examples because sure. I, I'm always cataloging these. <laughs> uh, so uh, the example when it's silly, it's always like vegan YouTuber drama or, uh, you know, vegans are so abusive on YouTube. Uh, vegan commenters are so abusive on YouTube, which to me, that is just an issue with YouTube. That has nothing to do with the person being vegan. Like YouTubers are always in beefs. They're always bullying each other. They're always acting acting out that way. And then... Um, the, the stories where I see where it's harmful is where um, people will talk about, oh, this uh, vegan couple was so neglectful to their child that the child had to be taken away into protective custody. It's because they're vegan. Again, like there's so many vegan parents raising healthy vegan children. The issue here is that they're neglectful. Like right. this is a, just a case of neglect. Um, so that is where I just feel like I wish there were stories where veganism was actually taken seriously. But on the other hand, like you see, let's talk about the uh, the story with the orca carrying oh, her dead yeah. cat. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. And people 
captivated by that for days. And I was like, okay, make let's make the connection here. <laughs> they know? never do mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, do you remember the vows column that was recently with the conservative vegans? That's a great example where yeah. I was like, these people suck because they're conservative. It's not because they're vegan. <laughs> yeah, but it you never see, you know, like a regular like vegan couple get that Mm-mm. kind of coverage. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, that there are uh, some places where I have noticed it getting better. Um, do you remember the Glenn Greenwald piece in The Intercept? About, right. He's doing good stuff. Yeah. 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 About the um, the FBI agents were tracking down animal activists who took away two piglets from a factory farm. And I actually had a number of people tell me that they went either vegan or vegetarian after reading that. Oh, wow. Which does not happen like from me ranting about veganism, right, right, you know. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. So you wrote explicitly about food in a piece for Father's Day Mm -hmm. about your dad and like his anger about Italian food (laughs) in the United States. And um, you mentioned like prosciutto in in Friday Night Meals and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So if so apparently you're vegan, your sister's vegan, your mom's vegan. Is your dad vegan? Plot twist. He's mostly vegetarian now, actually. So he like really he will eat prosciutto when he goes to Italy. Yeah, because it's he considers it his heritage. His Uh dad owned like a deli. Um, so he's very close to that, but even that is very rare now. Yeah. Right, right, right. So how have your like traditions at home changed? Uh, yeah. So actually I feel like it's brought me a lot closer to my Egyptian heritage, um, which I've always felt closer to just because I had more family around. Um, but so, uh, we're Coptic, which is a pre-Arab ethno-religious group in Egypt. And if you think Catholics are hardcore, um, Copts fast for over 200 days a year. Wow. And I always laugh at the no meat on Fridays during Lent because their fast is completely vegan. Um, So as a result, a lot of Egyptian cuisine has been tailor-made to fit those restrictions. So like we eat now a lot more kushery. Have you ever had that? I actually haven't. Okay. Can I describe it? Yes. Okay. It (laughs) It is my favorite food. It's a layer of rice and then a layer of pasta and then a layer of lentils or chickpeas and then this uh, like spicy hot tomato sauce. You can put some garlic vinegar oil and then crispy onions. And it's like just a total carb bomb, but Uh it's so good. So that's a really, really common Egyptian street food. Um, Tamea, which is Egyptian falafel, uh, which is made with fava beans instead. Mm. Um, Bemya, which is like an okra dish. Uh, Tahina, hummus, like all of that was just inherently vegan. So uh, we've just been eating a lot more of that. Oh, cool. And your dad is happy with that? Yeah, he's fine with it. I think for him, it's like a mortality thing. Like he, he's getting older, so he's watching his health more. Oh. And he, so he's down with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you also wrote, I'm sorry to be like going through all your pieces, Please. but um, <laughs> you wrote about wanting to be married to Ina Garten, mm-hmm. being Jeffrey, um, which of course we all would like to do. Um, and in that, you know, you noted meat recipes and I'm a food writer. Like I always have to talk about meat. Um, do you feel any like disconnect there when you do that? Or like, how do you relate to meat when you have to engage with it? Mm-hmm. So I think it was really different uh, back when I, when I was doing it, when I would write articles either about Ina, which is a more recent one, but also when I would write like sort of recipe posts, I would really disengage. But now I don't think I would do it. Now I just right. don't think I would write about it at all. And I actually do think of the Ina piece as one that I don't know if I would have written in the same way really? if I wrote it today. Yeah. What do you think would change? I probably just wouldn't mention the meat recipes. Yeah. 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 Um, so how do you see, you mentioned this a bit earlier, um, but how do you see the relationship of 
veganism and like dieting and body image, if at all, like veganism, especially among women gets construed as kind of a disorder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, as someone who's dealt with my own eating shit in my life, I actually get really resentful about that because I feel like if anything, uh, veganism has normalized the way I eat. Not that there is any normal. I know like, right. I don't want to place that blanket definition, but it has made me feel a lot more comfortable with food. I get a lot of joy out of food, discovering it. Um, it's not so fraught with anxiety. Uh, and that could just be me reaching a different point in my life, but I really do think a lot of it comes with, uh, just being able to discover all these different foods and enjoy them and feel like I'm nourishing my body and also doing something good for the world. Um, I also don't like it when people say that people who are vegan are hiding an eating disorder or sometimes bloggers will say that uh, they were vegan and but then they realized that was making their eating disorder worse or it, quote, gave them an eating disorder. And I just don't believe in that. Like you came into it with your own disordered eating uh, as someone who, you know, specifically sought out the Skinny Bitch Cookbook right. because I wanted to lose weight. Like, I, I know that. I, I'm speaking from personal experience. Yeah. Totally. Um, and do you cook a lot at home mostly or do you go out a lot? I, I cook a lot at home and I go out more than I would like to. Right. I mean, about <laughs> as much as I would like to, right, but right. I spend more money than I <laughs> should. Yeah. What are you usually making at home? Uh, so... Every Sunday, I'm very stereotypical, but I usually make like a big pasta dish with whatever vegetables are in season or I have in the fridge and some beans. And I'll usually eat that for lunch a few days a week, eat that for dinner Sunday night. Um, make a lot of, I feel like I make combinations of the same things over and over again, which sounds boring, but it isn't. Like it's yeah. always like a grain and a bean and a green. Um, I don't, I don't bake. I wish I baked more, but I'm just not very good at it. Um, yeah. So mostly a lot of pasta dishes. Uh, a lot of, uh, tofu, tofu stir fries, tempeh stir fries, a lot of sandwiches. I really just love making like a big sandwich for dinner. Yeah. That's, yeah. That sounds like a good dinner. <laughs> Coming home after a long day and then the train ride takes like twice as long as it should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where do you like to go out to eat in the city? Um, I love superiority burger. That's my number one place. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, I think it's just, it's a place, like, I feel like Brooks is so curious about food and so innovative. And every time I go, like, there's a new side dish uh, that I'm surprised by. Uh, I really love Double Zero Pizza. Have you been there okay, yet? Yeah, I've been there only when it opened, which I, and I think I need to go back. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a special occasion place. Yeah. It's a little pricey. It's, yeah. And then he also opened two restaurants on either side of them, which I haven't been to yet. There's this sushi one, right? I have not mm -hmm. been there and, and then a, a Mexican plant based. Oh, Mexican. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah. There's that big trend of just white guys at Mexican restaurants mm -hmm, right now. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's good. I We go to Peace Food pretty often, which is like kind of an old school place, yeah. but I love their chickpea fries and exactly. uh, their yes. chicken tenders. That's like my <laughs> vegan drug food. My partner, who's not vegan, okay. is obsessed with them. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 What about it does he like? He is, he's just always saying how uncanny it is and just how great it is. I'm like, see, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, actually, speaking of uncanny, we go to Orchard Grocer oh, pretty cool. frequently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, their Reuben is absolutely insane. You really can't tell the difference. Or oh, maybe I just haven't had meat. <laughs> but uh, I love their, they make like a um, imitation bacon, egg and cheese that I get a lot. And I like that they're palm oil free. Right, right. 
Um, what else? I love going to Suen for a macro place. <laughs> pretty close to my office so, oh cool, yeah. cool yeah that's very old school mm-hmm. um and yeah. also if i could shout out something outside oh, of the sure. city um in southern connecticut there's a place called it's only natural okay which is totally worth it if you're in the area or if you want to drive it's just this old school uh vegan cafe that's been there for like 20 30 years but their food is really good it's it's not just old school like macro stuff it's right, right, right. really hearty and comforting have you been to Bloodroot? I haven't. Oh, it's I know. F- I it's fun. To. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it really crunchy? Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in like a good way, because it's in a feminist way. So it's like nice. And there's like a sign on the wall that's like, in consideration for our customers of size, please do not like belabor anything about like calorie counts or anything. I don't know. I it's, love that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's crunchy in like the best possible way. Um, so how do you navigate like your vegan omnivore relationship? Mm-hmm. How does that work? So, uh, Christian is my partner. He is from the Midwest originally. So I think he has some different food traditions <laughs> that he is really hanging on to, but, uh, we don't have meat in the house. And I'd say he actually eats vegan like 80 or 90% of the time. It was not like that when we first met. I also wasn't vegan when we first met, but um, now, you know, like he drinks almond milk too. Um, We eat vegan most of the time. We go to vegan restaurants a lot. He's also just really easily pleased with all food. And I'm (laughs) I'm the one who always knows exactly what I want to eat at any given time. And it has to be perfect. (laughs) So... Uh, and he's just happy to go along and try new things. Right, right, right. Yeah. Have you converted to oat milk yet or? I'm not a fan of oat milk. Me either. But we went to <laughs> Berlin last summer and oat milk was all the rage there. And I was like, uh-uh. Apparently they're running out of it in Brooklyn. I saw that. Yeah. Uh. I don't really like the color strange. The consistency is a little weird. But I was reading a really cool recipe by Stella Parks today where she uses, uses like an oat slurry as an egg white replacement or mm-hmm. an egg replacement. So I don't know. Oats are cool, but I don't I don't get the obsession with that. Yeah. yeah. I imagine <laughs> it's like the closest you can get to breast milk, which that's, I haven't yes. had since yeah. I was a baby, but that is what I imagine. My, that's what my friend said. She's okay. like, it looks like breast milk. So you're not the only one who said that. Okay. Yeah. I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite nut-based milk? Uh, I'm a cashew person. Mm. If not, a, I mean, I use full fat coconut in most things. And then, but like everyday use, I've just converted to cashew, but I don't really put it in milk. Uh, I mean, in coffee. So for me, it's like just a baking thing. really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I have a different relationship to milk generally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So you're also like, uh, in addition to making lots of jokes, you're like very vocal about your politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you see your veganism and your political beliefs intersecting at all? Is that part of one one whole for you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to factory farms, for instance, let's just use that as an example. Um, I think it's as much an animal rights issue as it is a labor issue. Look at who's working in the slaughterhouses, in the farms, in the processing plants. It's all undocumented workers. They like virtually no rights. Um, they can't unionize. They get maimed. They get injured all the time. I mean, at chicken processing plants, you have people wearing diapers because they don't want to take the time to take a bathroom break. It is very much a labor issue. It's very much a justice issue, a food justice issue for me as well. Right, right, right. And does it relate maybe economically? Do you see anything there where veganism plays a part or? Mm -hmm. Um. It's difficult because I 
I think veganism is really perceived as this uh, middle class, upper middle class way of eating. Right. Uh, so I would like it to intersect more. Of right, course. right, right. Yeah. And uh, I would love, you know, certain foods to be more available and uh, cheaper and more accessible. That is not necessarily a problem with veganism. I think that's more of a problem with our meat lobby and our dairy lobby right. and the FDA and all that. Totally, totally. Yeah. Um, so do you consider cooking and eating mm-hmm. to be a political act? I think it can be. I don't know if the kind of cooking I'm doing right. to be necessarily <laughs> political. I do think that being vegan is political for me. Absolutely. Um, you know, some of my favorite literature about veganism is inherently very political, um, sexual politics of meat, uh, you know, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. So, so I, I do think it is, I think that, you know, an argument that comes up again and again is like, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, which I fully believe. Um, but I also don't want it to be a thing where it's used as an excuse to, uh, excuse behavior that I wouldn't otherwise engage in. So like, yes, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. But choosing not to eat something that's been tortured and killed uh, is also a choice that you make. Right, right. Thank you, Gabby. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah.